Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Good morning, everybody. So grateful to be here this morning here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. Uh, there is nothing, and I want you to know, there is nothing better than walking uh, or driving through. Uh, I always, I don't come down 66, uh, one, because it's horrific, but two, um, I come down Chapman, and I come around the corner near the Enterprise. I don't know if it's still there. It was dark when I drove in, but dro- right there, and all of a sudden, you take the curb, and man, whoo, you can see the mountains, and you see the, the courthouse, and the steeple, of First Baptist, man, I, there's nothing better than that. Yes, I do live, I uh, currently live in right north of Birmingham in a place called Mount Olive, Alabama. That doesn't matter, but uh, Birmingham, okay? So when people ask, uh, it's like when they ask, hey, where are you from? And I'm, uh, where are you originally from? I don't tell them Sevierville. I say Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, okay? Because they don't understand what a Seaverville is. They don't understand that. So um, I just tell them Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. Um, I currently live there uh, and we... Knowing it's Alabama, there are some good things, and uh, there's four specifically good things. I want to show you a picture of my wife and kids. Um, <clears throat> wife and kids. And so this is my wife, Meredith. She's awesome. Uh, she was born in Alabama, and so uh, in the same city in which Anthony's wife, Erin, was born. And so uh, there's only two good things to ever come out of Alabama, uh, and it was the, our two wives. And so um, that's my wife, Meredith, that little girl on the top, that beautiful little girl. Her name is Quinn. Uh, she is three. She will be four in January. Uh, that little blonde haired boy is, that's uh, kissed my wife. That is, uh, our son Ezra. He is one, going to be two in January. And then that little baby that's smothered down there, that is our son Ellis. He is, uh, he turned three months old in, on, on Halloween. We'll take up a love offering now. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, lay hands. And so, no, uh, grateful to be here with you guys. Love Connect Church. Love what God is doing here. Uh, you, I'm so grateful for your pastor allowing me to preach. And, and um, it's so weird that your pastor is allowing me to preach because your pastor used to make me grass. And so, uh, you know, coming back here, it's wonderful. Uh, your, your church has been abundantly blessed uh, with a great staff and great leadership here. Can we just give the Lord a hand for assembling such a team? has just done a great job here and, and, and love what God is doing here. And, and I know, okay, so let's just, um, let's get past this so we can get into the word. I know, okay, I know. I remind you of Chris or Beeper, okay? Uh, I know that uh, when I speak, my volume is very Anthony, okay? Uh, and my mannerisms are very Chris. I get it, okay? I understand they, I've, I'm kind of a, uh, a mixture of them. Now, listen, if my speech starts slurring, I start stumbling over stage, that's my mama, okay? Um, that is all mama there. Uh, she is great. She has been, I, I love coming home and seeing my mama. She's, and I'm just playing. She's been sober for like 12, 13 hours. She's awesome. And so I love my mama. Um, but when I come home, when I come home, it does not stop. I, I've, been, I've been married and gone for, you know, almost six, six seven years and when I come home, I come home, I haven't seen my mom in a long time. I come home, you know, wee hours of the morning on, on Saturday morning, I get, I get in and I wake up that next morning and mom's like, hey, I made you coffee. I need you to go to Food City, go pick up my prescription. Hey, can you move this box up here? I'm like, you got two other sons, two other sons who live here. And so anyways, I love helping my mama out and it's so good to see her and, and love this series. Um, love this series, uh, Bringing Back Bold. I want you to know this, okay? Uh, a lot of things I say are going to be very similar. You're going to be, I, I think I've heard that before. Uh, a lot of the things that we're talking about today are not going to be uh, new. 
Okay, The entire narrative of Acts is, is this telling of a story. And, and specifically in, in chapter 5, what we're going to begin to see today is, is something that sounds very uh, familiar to chapter 3 and 4. We're seeing the church is growing, persecution is growing, and we see that the, the, the apostles are faced with the choice. And what, what we see here is this. Is this is, I know I'm talking the truth, I promise. And so uh, don't get mad at me. Anyway, so, um, and so here's the deal. My mama probably got into that. And so uh, here's the deal. What we're talking about is not new, okay? But what we're beginning to see is, is what they faced a couple chapters ago and what they're facing now. Everything is beginning to enhance. The growth of the church and, the, and what God's doing is growing. But also so is the persecution. Also, so is, uh, so is the, the, the threat and the, and the temptation to give up and, and to denounce the name of Jesus or just to sit back and shut up. But this is what's happening. So what we're going to see, we're going to see similar places. We're going to be see, seeing similar narratives. But what we're seeing is that it's an enhancement. Everything is, is, is happening at a greater detail, including... The, the building of the church. And so uh, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to dive on in. Lord, Father, God, be with us this morning. God, we need you. We need the power of your spirit to help us understand what we're uh, learning today. God, I pray, God, that you would embolden us as believers. God, that we would not merely come here, sit in a service, sing a, a few good songs, listen to a sermon, and then leave to look like the rest of the world. God, I pray that we would be prepared uh, by the teaching and the hearing of your word to be faithful to test it, to prove it, find out it's true, and then be faithful to apply it to the rest of our Sunday, to our Monday, God, to the rest of our week. And we'd be faithful followers, living out the gospel work and, and being bold wherever we go. God, be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So yes, uh, the first thing we see uh, this morning in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, first thing we see is this, boldness builds the body. So unlike any, any other time, first you see these large pockets of people coming to know the Lord. You see 3,000, you see 5,000. What the Bible says right here is this, uh, in, in, Acts, uh, in Acts 5, 14 through 15, it says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on coats and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The church was being built. Like that thing was growing, okay? Like it was growing. It was an awesome thing. And, and here's what I want to encourage you in this. You, you know what? There's two ways to, to grow a church, to be honest. There's ways that you can grow a church in 2019 in America, and you don't even have to mention the gospel. There's ways that you can put on a light show good enough. You can put on, uh, you can have enough great one-liners and grow a church and never, even, and never even meet with Jesus on a Sunday. That's not boldness. That's heresy. But here's the deal. There's another way that you can grow a church. And that's by bold believers who are not backing down, being faithful to share the truth of the gospel and seeing people's lives changed. And don't you know boldness is infectious? Man, it's something about you locking arms with somebody else and they're being bold and you're being bold and it just feeds off each other. And what's happening is, is this is what we see in the early church. They are growing like wildfire. Man, they're killing it. Man, I see this and you go, man, how in the world can this actually work? I'm a student pastor and also college pastor because when you're a student pastor, you just do whatever they tell you to do. And I'm also a college pastor, but one of the things that we have with our student ministry is, praise God, we have one school, we have one high school, we have one middle school. 
Okay? We don't have like nine of them where I have to freak out about which color I'm supposed to wear to which game and all that kind of, one graduation, praise the Lord. And so, um, and so we, uh, we had our students this past summer, we spent the entire summer preparing our students for uh, going into this fall, sharing the gospel and seeing people come to know Christ. And, and even if they don't come to know Christ, but they would hear the gospel. Um, I told our students, there's no excuse for, your, for any student on your campus to leave your campus without hearing the gospel. Even if they don't repent and follow after the Lord, it'll be over our cold, dead bodies before they leave without hearing the good news of the gospel. And so we train, man, we train, we train. We went through stuff, uh, man, we, we uh, taught them uh, the Hoosier One. Man, we have hundreds of these right here of the Hoosier One cards where our students wrote those out. We taught them the three circles and the Roman road. Man, we teach them about the candy cane if it was just a different way, way for uh, uh, them to share the gospel with people. And then I was, listen, and, and, and we always pump things up, but to be honest, now I know some of them are watching on live stream, but they can't hear me. Um, I was, I was going to be pleased with 15, 20 students. That would be huge. They're sharing the gospel. But I want to encourage you this morning, middle school and high school students, um, as of right now, halfway through the semester, they have had 110 gospel conversations and have seen three students come to know the Lord in theater and math class of all places. And so, listen, boldness happens. It's infectious. Students start seeing, oh man, what? we had built this big old wall and had all this LED tape. It was really cool and stuff. And we, uh, and we had these ping pong balls, which by the way, just so you know, you ever get the idea? You can't buy bulk ping pong balls as cheap as you can buy bulk beer pong balls, okay? Um, and so just know that. I don't know why they're so cheap, but uh, that was an awkward receipt to turn into the finance team. Um, <laughs> And I said, it's for the college ministry. And they're like, oh, God, oh that makes sense. And, you know, anyway, so, um, and so we, they would go up, and after they had a gospel conversation, they would go in and they would, they would write that person's name. So we're seeing students who were like, I thought I was the only one. I didn't know that anybody else was doing this. And they're dropping in, ping, we call them ping pong balls. Uh, we, we're dropping in ping pong balls with people's names on them, and they're beginning to fill up. And it's, beginning, it, it's doing something incredible where it's not student pastors spurring on students. It's students spurring on students to good works in Christ. And it's awesome to see. Boldness builds the church. Man, it's by, by bold people who will not let the culture water down the gospel, will not let culture silence, that builds the church. And I'm, I, I see that here. I love getting to see what God is doing in and through Connect Church. But you know, it's not just easy. Life isn't. Know this, that light always freaks darkness out. Light always messes with darkness in such a way that when light steps into darkness, darkness tries to fight. And so what happens is, is not only does boldness build the body, but boldness breeds persecution. It's going to happen. If you're living a life that is reflecting Jesus, not, not this American hippie Jesus, but I'm talking like true biblical died on a cross, rose again, and seated at the right hand of the Father, Jesus, you're going to get pushback. And we see this in the early church. We see this in Acts chapter, uh, we see this in Acts chapter 5. It says, but the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, it is the party of the Sadducees, and were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. We see then they're, uh, they're released from that. They, the Lord releases them at night, which is so cool when the Lord just, I don't know, breaks you out of prison and says, hey, go back and start preaching again. Breaks them out, and then they go back, and they, uh, the, the guards go back, and they look, and they go, where, where are they at? And they, 
a guy comes in going, hey, they're back in the thing. We just arrested them. Yeah, I know. It's like keep, keeping up with my three children. We just put them in bed. Uh, like we, we had a guard outside the door and they still got out. I don't know how they're in the living room. Anyway, so like that's the same thing. They got out. The Lord released them and told them to go back. And it says this, and then the captain of the officials went and brought them, but not by force, because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And then we're going to jump down to verse 28, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you are, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And so what happened is this, is that, remember, I told you everything's very similar. This is just an enhancement. It's not, uh, it's not something necessarily new. What happens is this. Where were they before? After they had healed the, the beggar, right? They went into Solomon's portico and they began to preach. And that's where they were uh, detained the first time. Where were they at when all this went down? Solomon's portico. They're back in the same place. They're back in the same place. They're, they're sharing the same gospel. They're seeing God work in just as, as magnificent of ways. And they're put in prison. They get taken out by the Lord and they go back. They're brought once again. Listen, persecution. Before it was just... Peter and John, now, now we see all the apostles are thrown into prison. We're seeing that uh, as the church is growing, so is the persecution. No longer is it just a couple people. It's turned to all the apostles. And we begin to see this. And this is the narrative throughout all church history. Where God is moving, persecution begins to take place. Church family, it was difficult. And really, persecution can do one of two things. It can either embolden you or it can silence you. It can either embolden you or it can silence you. Now, remember, I, I grew up here. Went to Kent High School. My tenure reunion's next year. I'm going to vomit. Um, I, 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 couldn't, I can't believe I'm that old. Um, 27 came quick. Uh, didn't see it coming. And, I, I, man, my tenure reunion is next year. And I, I look back and I look at um, those moments in high school, Kent High School, where, where culture and the, the social norms really weighed heavy on me because I wanted to be liked. And I think of people who I went to school with. When persecution came my way, and it wasn't beheadings and beatings, it was, you really believe that? And I'd shut down. Like the things that they would come against me with were, were little to nothing. I remember this, that going to high school, there was a young man who I went to school with who um, never made it to graduation with us, but uh, was killed in a car accident. I don't know if he was a believer. I had math class with him. I had math class with him. I was in school with him for most of my life. I'd known him. I, I, I had known him for most of my life. And, and one of my greatest fears was this, is one night as I, when I was an adult, I, I began to think and go, man, I missed out. Because of the persecution that I thought I was facing from my bold stand as a 15-year-old, as a I shut up about the gospel. I shut up about Jesus and began to conform to the people around me. And because of such, I never shared the gospel with that guy. And one of my greatest fears is this, is that one day I'll, when the Lord separates the sheep from the goats, that one day I'm going to glance over there and I'm going to see him. And he's going to go, you knew? You knew this was going to happen? You knew that this is what would happen if I didn't know who Jesus was and you never said a word about it. You knew. Did it change me? That moment shook me. Because persecution will come, but God's people cannot be silent. We can't. Urgency is so much there. Lostness is rampant. And the gospel's too good. 
it's going to provide persecution. And listen, that's not going to catch us off guard. That doesn't catch us off guard. Jesus told us this was going to happen. In Matthew 5, 10 through 12, Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Church family, persecution will come. Faithful gospel witness will not go untouched in this age. Church family, what once was moral right and, and, and uh, wise thinking, the way that we stand up for things like marriage and life, the things that we hold so dear are no longer social norms, but now it's considered hate speech. We are now the bigots. We are now the haters. We are now the backwards, backwoods, stone age people. And we are told not, hey, let's not salute this, but they need to shut up about it. Persecution will come, but what do we do when persecution comes? Boldness builds the church. Boldness will breed persecution, but boldness never, ever bows. It can't. Church, the people who may yell at you, the people who may do things, you may, it may cost you a job, it may cost you a friendship, it may cost you something. It always does. But when it does, I'm telling you, what we gain, what we gain when we lay down our lives and we lay down our comfort, we lay down our expectations, what we deserve, when we lay down us and we magnify the name of Jesus, oh, it's good. Every person who may revile us is one who Jesus died for. And we need to be faithful. We Boldness never bows. And that's hard because things want to force you. Like culture, when I was in high school, wanted me to do that. But also... As a college pastor at my church, I do something called the campus tour. We uh, got my intern, we jumped in the truck, and me and him, we drove to all the campuses that our college students were at, uh, which was great. But we went to one campus, one particularly dark campus. Um, it was University of Alabama, and a um, uh, very dark place, scary, scary. A lot of, you just walk in there and you know there's spiritual warfare, a lot of darkness. And so anyways, so we walk in there and, and uh, we go there and we park right next to Brian Denny Stadium and, and you know, just gross and stuff and um, no rivers near it or anything or navies. And so we look at it and it's okay. And then all of a sudden we, you know, we're right in the shadow of their athletic facilities and they've got all those national championship trophies, which I think are are gross, and so I didn't look there long, and uh, I get out, and me and my intern hop out the truck, and we're sitting there, and I look over, and um, we hear something. Not words that we can repeat, okay? We hear some words from some man hanging out of a car as it passed by, and I was like, what is this? Is this how you get welcomed here? Figures, and so I'm sitting there, and I look, I look over at my buddy, and what, what to my dismay, He's wearing an Auburn University jacket. And I looked at him and I was like, how dare you? You know where we're at? Do you know what kind of enemy territory we're at? And he looks at me and goes, he looks at me, points, forgot I'm wearing a University of Tennessee pullover. And not just any University of Tennessee pullover, a University of Tennessee pullover that's worn by a person during Tennessee hate week, right before the Alabama game. The things they said, um, said things about my mama. Some of them are true. No, listen, they said things about my mama. Um, listen, the words they said, I didn't even know you could use in sentences together. Um, and, I, I, you know, listen, I remember sitting there and met with some students, and they were like, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that? 
do you know what can happen? I said, we're in Taco Mama. Do you know what can happen? What, what can throw down? Tua may walk in here. Good Lord, Tua could walk in here. What if Saban walks in here? He loves tacos. And I'm sitting there going, listen, no matter what culture says, no matter what pressure I may feel, the, 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 the culture may be crimson, but my blood is orange. And I, I, and, I, and I, listen, no matter what they said or what they did, ever, ever wavered my allegiance. Never. Listen, I sing my kids the great old hymn of Rocky Top every night, okay? I train them up in the way they should go. And, and I say that in a much, in a much grander fashion. Culture wants to silence us. It wants us to be quiet. And it wants us to be quiet about Jesus. It wants to stifle our boldness. But what happens when believers love Jesus and are firm in him? Acts 5, 27 through 29. And when they brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you are, uh, you fill Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, and Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. And then they would go on to share their reasoning why. Acts 5, 30-32, he says, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. His response is not one of, oh yeah, you're right, maybe we'll back off. Hey, you know, we can, we can probably water it down here. Listen, we won't have gatherings of more than 100. You know, whatever we need to do. No, no, he, he goes this. He gives, his, he gives reasoning for his boldness, and it was the gospel. We've experienced something that is life-changing. We have a king who is not voted, impeached, or can be removed, but is faithfully seated as the leader and savior of all. And because of that truth, we cannot bend. We cannot bow. Listen, it reminds me of the Apostle Paul. That bro was killing it. I love Paul. I love Paul. He was great. He was great. I love Paul. You couldn't do anything to Paul. Right? You couldn't do anything. When persecution came Paul's way and they expected him to bow or to shut up, they would say, okay, well, listen, Paul, if you don't stop, we're going to kill you. Well, to die is game. Okay, fine. Well, then uh, we're just going to put you in prison. Well, to live as Christ, and I'll just convert the entire royal guard. Okay, uh, well, we're going to take everything you have. No food, no money, no nothing. Well, listen, I, I know what it is to have much. I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have nothing and to go without eating. I know what it is to be all those things. And to be honest, I found myself to be content in all situations because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, well, um, you know what? Then uh, we're just going to torture you. We're going to beat you. We're going to do everything we can to beat this Jesus out of you. Well, to be honest... I count the, the sufferings of this world to be nothing compared to the glory that's going to be one day revealed. You couldn't do anything to the guy. His boldness, and you know what the great thing about his boldness was? His boldness was not dependent on his current situation, but was solidly founded in the Savior who saved him. And that's what you and I have, that same boldness in which Paul could preach in in the face of persecution. You and I can walk in on Monday. Because he, the same king is alive and... Man, when we sang that, the same king, 
who we remembered in the ordinance and who proclaimed in worship is the same king who is with you and I every step of the way. Man, we can be a people who can walk in boldness no matter what because we don't bow. Because we know this, that what is promised is greater than any persecution you and I could face. What is promised? There's nothing greater. There's nothing, and you know this when you gave your heart to the Lord. You found this, that whether it was sex, whether it was money, whether it was um, Alabama football, whatever you thought was going to fill you, failed you. Whatever you thought was going to complete you, drove you deeper and deeper into trying to fill your body, your life with something. And when you found Jesus, you didn't just find something, you found everything, Right? And so when we have everything, they can take all of our worldly possessions. They can take all of our jobs. They can take our families. They can take our cars. They can do whatever they want. Oh, man, the joy of knowing Jesus. So boldness builds the church. It breeds persecution. Boldness will not bow, even when persecution gets heavy. And we see this. In Acts chapter 5, verse 33 through 39, we begin to see what happens after this, where they go, listen, we're not going to uh, fall to you. We're going to obey God, not men. We, here's the gospel, here's the reasoning, and this is what happens. Acts 5, 33 through 39 says this. When they heard this, the Sadducees, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named uh, uh, Gamaliel, okay? Walk through me with it. Gamaliel, okay? Uh, so Gimli, not it, okay? Uh, if you ever want to know how to pronounce somebody's name in Scripture, the Bible app, phenomenal, okay? Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put these men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. What he would begin to do, what Gamaliel would begin to do, is he'd begin to go back and go, listen, this has happened before. We have seen these people rise up and we've seen movements before where people buy in and everybody's excited. But listen, when the leader dies, the movement dies. When the leader dies, when the, the, then the movement dies. And so he, he then gives them this advice. He says, so in the present case, with this whole the way, the whole Jesus thing, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For it, if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. And they took this advice. Here's the deal. I don't agree with Gamaliel's idea of uh, longevity means it's truth and reality. Because if that was the case, then you'd have uh, Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism would all be true. But you know what that guy got right? This movement is not a movement of man. This movement that left Rome and now is global the movement that's made its way to Sevierville, Tennessee in this Sevier County area is not one of man. What he got right was, you cannot overthrow it. You and I come from a great lineage of people who never bowed, even when it got difficult. Even Herod can try to stop us. Pilate can try to stop us. Rome can try to stop us. Nero can try to burn us out. They can try and do whatever they want. Culture may try to stop us in 2019. But church, we are of a rich lineage of Christians who have never bowed, have never fallen, and are staying strong. And they can come at us with everything they got. But they cannot stop our king. They can't, church. 
Live in boldness there. One, that you're not by yourself in this. Everybody look to your left. Everybody look to your right. Don't turn around, that'd be weird. But just, you look at the back person's head in front of you. God gave us boldness and not to do it in, in, in a solitude area. He's given us each other. So you and I can do this as a unit, going out from this place, living sin, which is more than just an ending thing. It is what you and I are. But not only, not only do we uh, know that boldness builds the church, boldness breeds persecution, boldness never bows. But we don't do this as begrudging people. Boldness produces joy. Church family, man, church family, do you know that when you and I walk in faithfulness to Jesus, we don't do it as begrudging slaves to an evil dictator who's forcing us to do these things, but we get to walk in everlasting, unexplainable joy serving the Father. We are happy people. Listen, we are happy people. I love how my pastor says it. We're happy Baptists, right? Like we like to come to church. We like to share burdens with each other. We like, we like each other. We like each other. We have a joy that's not based on circumstance. Listen, we live in 2019. You can become a toaster if you want to, if you just feel like being a toaster. Here's the deal. I want you to know something. Praise God that our joy is not based on our feelings or the ebbs and flows of culture and Instagram. But you and I are people who can have a joy everlasting because our joy is found in the source of all life, which is Christ. Man, we can be a people of joy. And we see them even experiencing persecution, even being asked to bow, and they don't. Acts 5, 40 through 42. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them to not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And then we see this. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer. And it says this. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. They went with joy, knowing that it would probably end up costing them their lives. Knowing that it would probably end up costing them comfort. Knowing that it would cost them something. Knowing that in the onset, the early onset, they saw what they did to Jesus and knowing that that could very well be their fate. And they were able to do it, not in begrudging submission, but in overwhelming eternal joy. Knowing that everything they have is not based on this one moment. It's not based on their finances. It's not based on their marriage. It's not based on their feelings. It is all secured in glory. And we are supposed to be faithful where we're at today. You can live this life in joy if you're not walking in joy and you're a believer, you need to be reconnected to Jesus. He will give you joy. I mean, if you think there's something right now that you're going through that's too heavy, it's not. The power of Jesus is far greater than anything that would try to rob us of our joy. He is good and he is a source of joy for you. Praise God. Boldness builds the body. Sure, whew, it sure does. It builds us. And we're seeing that here. But great moves of God will always breed persecution. And it, it's going to happen. It may, be, it may not be beheadings and, and taking of your family and your goods, but it may, be, it may mess you up in your job. It may mess you up in some friendships. It may cost you something. It may cost you your, uh, what your Netflix 
viewing is. It may cost you something. It may, it may begin to uh, have people rise up against you and bump up against you. But praise Jesus that your joy is not found in their approval or whatever that approval is, but it can be found in Christ. Be bold this week. I'm not talking be bold 15 years from now. Be bold this week. Be bold when you go to Cracker Barrel this afternoon. Be bold when you go to work on Monday. Hey, listen, same Jesus we proclaimed here on Sunday morning is still the, is still the God of your Monday, okay? Be, hey, be bold where you're at. He wants to build his church. Persecution will come. And lo, know this, do not bow. We want the life of a Christian to be something flashy. We do. We see it all over the place. But the lives of Christians, the daily lives of Christians is not flashy. It's moment by moment, hour by hour, minute by minute, being found faithful to be bold in those individual situations. Be intentional with where you're at. Church family, I, I work at a church. There's not a lot of lost people in my office, okay? That's why I go to sports clips. Now, if you work at sports clips, I'm not calling you out, okay? Uh, just happened in Alabama. There's a good few, okay? I go there, I get the MVP, sometimes the double, if the conversation's going good. And that's how I share the gospel. I go on a school campus. It's scary. I'm a paid professional Christian, and it scares me. It makes me nervous. It makes me want to bow. It makes me want to be silent. But church family, you know what always reminds me and allows my mouth to open? Not Dominic is great, not, but the Jesus who saves me is ready and willing to save the person who, for some reason, I'm scared to share the best news I have with. I have never regretted one time being faithful and living out the boldness that comes with following after Jesus. And so you may be here this morning and first and foremost, this Jesus we've talked about, maybe, maybe you know a little bit about him, maybe you're an associate, uh, you know, you can rub shoulders with, but you've never surrendered your life to him. You've never pledged your allegiance to Christ as king. You're still running and ruling your own life. Maybe today your next step is your first step, and that's to give your life to Christ today. I'm, I'm telling you, since that moment in high school where I lost the opportunity to share the gospel with that young man, I won't make that mistake again. I will tell you, there is nothing that you're banking on. There is nothing that you're holding on to. There is no good work. There is no church attendance. There is no family lineage of godly people that will save you. It is only in Christ, in Christ alone, believing on Him, confessing Him as Lord, believing that God raised Him from the dead, and placing your faith and trust in Him. If you need to give your life to Christ today, you need to do it. I'm telling you, you're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised to the parking lot. Give your life to Christ today. But maybe you're a believer and boldness is difficult. It's really hard because you don't know, Dominic, you don't know my context. You don't, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my workplace. You know what it's going to cost me. Dominic, do you know what, it, do you know what they're going to do to me if they, if they know this? If, if I were to speak out on this, do you know what would happen? Yeah, I got a pretty good idea. And based on them, based on the Apostle Paul, based on everything I've seen and everything I've experienced, there's nothing ever as a believer worth holding on to that should ever silence, stifle, or water down the good news of the gospel you and I have been sent to proclaim. You are not in your neighborhood for, uh, for no good reason. You are not 
uh, a teacher. You are not a doctor. You are not a mom. You are not a dad. You are not a soldier. You are not where you are for no good reason. God has placed you there to be bold. Not in your own boldness, but a boldness that comes from the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus for the glory of the Father. You can walk in boldness because Jesus walked in boldness. You can walk in boldness because we've seen others before us walk in boldness. It's infectious, and so God calls you to it. And church, I want to encourage you. Maybe you're here and you need to give your life to Christ. Maybe you're a believer here and boldness is something that scares you. Maybe you're here and you're a believer and sin has been really heavy on you. Maybe you're a believer here today and you go, well, no, listen, Dominic, you don't know. I've already messed up too much. Dominic, I gave my heart to the Lord years ago, but you don't know what I've done since then. One of the greatest stiflings of, of gospel boldness I've seen in the lives of people I've come in contact with are believers who have bought into the lie that what they've done or the mistakes they've made and the shame they carry is who they are. Don't you dare think and don't you dare limit, limit Jesus. The same blood that saved you is the same blood that's constantly sanctifying you and the same blood that no matter what your mess up or your sin, Jesus is ready and willing and far powerful enough to wash you clean of it. Don't you dare make your background your identity. Don't you dare make your mess up, your thoughts, your actions, who you are. Jesus today will say, give that to me. Remember, I saved you. I can, I can continue to sanctify you. Give that to me. I'll take that. I want to use you. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.